You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Today, I just want to talk briefly about the difference between a reaction and a response. You know, what we've seen tonight, has, uh, tonight, uh, this morning, has been uh, a response moment that has taken place. We, we've seen people who have perhaps been on a journey of being a Christian uh, for some time. There's been highs, there's been lows, there's been probably reactionary moments within that. Uh, but, but today, they, they've made a response, a decision to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And um, I, I don't know, in life, is anyone fairly reactionary or is it just Pete? Yeah, hands up, yeah. Um, but yeah, Pete, Pete is uh, a fairly reactionary person. Uh, he, he thinks it's a great idea to sign people up for emails, for random organizations, that, um, to get a, a callback from someone from some organization that has absolutely nothing to do with anything or anyone uh, until it goes horribly wrong. <laughs> uh, and and, uh, and uh, lots of people get offended. And uh, it's in those moments Pete maybe wishes he responds responded and thought about it and mulled over it and thought, is this really the right thing to do? But uh, it, it doesn't happen enough uh, sometimes. And, um, but, you know, sometimes in life we need a, a reactionary moment. I, I remember working with my dad 10 years ago and he had a heart attack whilst we were working. And uh, in those moments, I needed to react. If I'd have thought about something for a little while, it, it perhaps wouldn't have been good news. Uh, so I, I just had to react. But but um, reactionary moments in life sometimes aren't the best for us. Uh, I don't know about when, when you're driving and uh, someone cuts you up or something. You react, don't you? Uh, yeah, I've got this thing where if, um, if there's someone overtaking on like a single carriageway road and um, they're nowhere near me, I've got no risk, there is no risk. But still, when they drive past my car, I point. You know, because uh, uh, for, for, no, for no other reason than it just gives me a bit of amusement, really. And uh, often, like, Hannah's sat in the passenger seat just being like, why? And, uh, um, but sometimes you, that's just what you've got to do. And uh, my life's been full of reactionary moments. Um, last summer, me and uh, Liam and uh, our friend Dan went to Ireland, Southern Ireland. Uh, and the trip itself was random, Okay. Uh, the, the reason it was random was because uh, Liam had sold it as like a working holiday. We were, we were going over there to do a bit of work. But uh, as it drew nearer and nearer and nearer, we decided that we weren't up for the work. So, so Liam managed to ring the guy whose house it was and, and managed to somehow convince him that we could still go and do nothing. So we went and, uh, we went and stayed in a house in Ireland for free. Um, for a few days uh, with our friend Dan and uh, we managed to convince Dan to come by telling him it was a fishing trip, okay? And um, so there's all sorts of lies going on really. Um, but uh, and uh, it was only when it, it kind of came closer and closer and Dan's like getting excited about the fishing trip that I said to Liam, what are we going to do? And Liam's like, you're going to have to tell him the boat sank. So, so we did, uh, we, we told him the boat had sank and we wouldn't be going fishing, but he was still welcome to come. So he did. And um, 
we arrived in Dublin. Uh, we, we were out on the far side of Southern Ireland, a place called County Clare. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention Father Ted from the stage, but there, were, there, there was like, you could see the kind of the picture that you're getting. The, it, it was bleak. There was nothing happening, okay? And, um, but, but before that, we, we stopped in Dublin for a night and uh, we did a bit of uh, some historic tours. We went to the old jail, um, went to the old post office where the Easter Rising happened, went to the Guinness factory, um, Guinness is a rank, isn't it? But, um, but, but uh, we, we did a bit of a tour, but um, when, when we arrived, we, we thought it would be a good idea to start the day with a breakfast, okay? Um, and uh, we Googled places with great reviews or whatever, went to this little cafe, and next door to the cafe, there was a barber shop. And uh, for whatever reason, I thought it would be a great idea to get a haircut. I've got a bit of this funny thing. Whenever I go abroad, I quite like to get a haircut. You know, see how they do it on the continent, that kind of thing. I mean, it usually looks the same. And the Irish, it was, it, it was, a, it was an all right cut. But, um, uh, but, you know, it was a Turkish barber. So to be honest, if it was Richmond or Ireland, it was fairly similar. Um, but for whatever reason, I, I decided that, oh, you know, you guys go and order the breakfast. I'll be 10 minutes. Get a quick haircut in this barber's. Um, and the, the, the cafe was heaving, so we thought, yeah, we've got loads of time. Uh, but we didn't, okay? Because after 10 minutes into my haircut, I realized that I had the slowest barber in Ireland. Um, and, uh, you know, no, he was just meticulous with everything. And I thought, oh, no, I have made a big mistake. Reactionary moment go and get a haircut, it's going to be fine. But uh, it wasn't, um, because 10 minutes in, I get the phone call that my food is ready next door, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? 20 minutes in, I'm thinking my food is still next door, uh, and this guy is still on the clippers, which is not a good sign. So um, what I had to do was just get up, okay? And I had to say, look, I am going next door to eat my breakfast, and I'll be back. Um, and, uh, and uh, Liam sending me messages and everything, which just added to the stress, okay? He's telling me the cook's kicking off about the eggs are going to be spoiled and all of this kind of stuff. So it, it was pressure. And I went, in to, went into the cafe. I had to pay for my haircuts as they didn't think I was running away. Uh, with my hair half cut, very stressed. Uh, and then uh, after, had to wolf it down, didn't enjoy it, can't even remember what I had. Uh, and then we had to go back into the barbers. When I walked in, there was someone else sat in the chair. And I thought, oh, no. Um, because the next pressure was we, we were booked in at the jail at 11 o'clock. And this is about half 10. It's a 15-minute drive. We're under pressure. Someone in the chair. Thankfully, the barber, halfway through this other person's haircut, gets him out the chair, sticks me back in the chair. So, okay, we're back on. Uh, but I was in that. And in the end, towards the end, I'm thinking we've got 10 minutes to get to the jail. Uh, I'm just going to have to get up and walk out again, which is exactly what I did. And it's one of those moments where you just think, why have you put yourself under so much pressure? You know, if, if you just thought about it, if you just mulled over it, if you just decided, actually, do we really have time for this? Or the bigger question, do we need a haircut in Ireland just to say, I had a haircut in Dublin? Um, and it, like, it's absolutely ridiculous, but it's these sort of moments where we end up reacting to things in life, whereas the difference is a response is mulled over. It's thought about. It's, it's considered. It, it's not led by emotions. It's kind of saying, regardless of which way the wind blows, this is my response. And we've seen some of that today, that people saying, you know, I, I'm struggling with anxiety. 
I, I'm, I, I've got all of this stuff happening in my life, but this is my response. This is my decision to follow Jesus. And, and this is what I want to talk about uh, today. You know, t- tonight I'm preaching in Barnard Castle and I'm doing a totally different message and talking about Gideon and I'm bringing with me a traveling trumpeteer and we're going to blow the trumpet over Barnard Castle. So if, uh, if you think that is random, then come along, but uh, it's going to be good. We've got a hand up. It isn't Tom, but it could have been you. I tell you what, Tom, you are a future traveling trumpeteer. So, uh, which, to be honest, I would absolutely love that. (laughs) Is it me? I've got no preparation, but I'm up for it. So, um, so, uh, which is awesome. But but today, I, I want us to look into the life of a guy in the Bible called Peter who was a reactionary person, a little like our friend uh, Pete, who's here today. And um, Peter was a fisherman, so he would have struggled on the trip to Ireland when the boat sank. But, um, and I don't know if anyone likes fishing. My experience of fishing is extremely limited. I've been once uh, eight years old, and it was all okay till I realized you had to beat the fish. Um, You know, he's like, okay, you've you've caught this, you've got to kill it. it like, so, so, I mean, I am very soft, so it, it wasn't for me. And, uh, but I, I did take this trout back to my mum as a trophy and retired the rod. Um, but I'm sure Peter was a, a better fisherman than me. And one day, he uh, and his friends are out fishing um, and um, they're not having much luck, which, to be honest, when you read a few different accounts of things, you do wonder, was he actually any good at this? Because uh, it seems like Jesus had to bail them out several times with the old catching of the fish. So, um, so, so P- Peter's out with his friends, with his family, uh, and suddenly their life is transformed um, because Jesus comes along and they catch such a miraculous horde of fish that they're totally blown away to the point where the two boats that they're uh, are beginning to sink. Uh, and uh, side note, but I bet there were some people thinking, what about the boats? There's some people who are always on about the boats instead of about the fish. And, um, you know, I, I think it's important today that we, we focus on the m- miraculous catch of fish uh, and not the perfect things that are around it. Uh, and in Luke chapter 5, from verse 8, it says this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up from the shore, left everything, and followed him. And I love when Luke says they pulled their boats out of the water. They weren't, they weren't going back to this life of fishing. They'd had this encounter with Jesus and they were on a path of following him. They left everything, it says, and followed him. And that would have been family, that would have been friends, etc., etc. And this is exactly what Peter does. He goes on this journey of following Jesus for three years of his life. Uh, follows Jesus around, sees miracles, partakes in in miracles, prays for people, sees people healed. He even walks on water. There's all of this going on in Peter's life. But then then the pressure starts to mount up because Jesus uh, is arrested. uh, And of course, as we know, he goes to the cross 
and he dies. And the pressure mounts up on the disciples because uh, although Jesus had told them that he was going to die and all this was happening, they weren't particularly ready for it to come. They perhaps thought it would look different. Uh, they were perhaps worried that it was going to be them next. How was it going to look for them? So, so the pressure starts to mount up on Peter. And, and we see this reactionary side of him begin to come out because uh, when Jesus uh, in the garden and they come to get him and arrest him, um, Peter takes a sword to a bloke and cuts his ear off. Uh, in John 18, uh, verse 10, it says this, And Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus, or we could call him Malk. And uh, uh, what I love about uh, Malk is that for, forever in history, he is known as the person whose ear was cut off by Peter. Uh, and what I do, one good point about Peter is I love that he loved Jesus enough to fight for him. But there was this reactionary side of him to just, to just go and do that. And Je Jesus is like, well, what are you doing? Put the sword away. You know, stop, stop pratting around, as my parents said to me multiple times. But, but uh, and you know, the, so the, this is happening. Uh, and then Jesus is saying to the disciples, you know, you're, you're all going to desert me. You're all going to fall away. And, and Peter makes these big statements that they might, but not I, not me, Lord. But then we, we continue to read that, that he does uh, desert Jesus. He denies even knowing him. In, in John 18, verse 17, uh, someone says to him, you aren't one of these disciples. You are one of these man's disciples too, aren't you? Uh, she asked. Peter replied, I am not. And then we skip down, and in, from verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there, warming himself. And they asked him, You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I'm not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, one of Malk's pals, had challenged him and said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. As Jesus had said it would, that, that Peter would deny him three times before the rooster even crowed. And these reactionary moments, the, these denials of things. And I don't know about you, but imagine being Peter in this moment, having had all the highs of being a disciple of Jesus and for it to seemingly end in such a tragic way, denying even knowing Jesus. Uh, and uh, and none of them, the disciples, like Peter not being there when Jesus died, he was nowhere to be seen. And, and this, because this is exactly um, what, what reactionary moments do. They take you back to the place that you came from. You know, in John 21, we, we see this um, same thing happening. Peter fishing again. The one thing that he'd uh, retired from. He'd, he pulled up his boat from the shore and said, I'm not going back to that place. But through reactionary moments, in the middle of his response to follow Christ, it had sent him on this path of just going back to what he knew. And this is a picture for so many of us, particularly those of us in here who have a relationship with God, that if we're not careful, we make all these big statements of what we'll do for God, and then something happens. We react to it, and we end up, right back at the start. But you know, we serve a good, faithful God. Uh, and what I love about the story of uh, Peter is that Jesus seeks him out to find him. Uh, and, um, 
And aren't you grateful that we serve a God of the second, the third, the fourth chance? I, I mean, I definitely am. The, 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 you know, we are imperfect people. We serve a perfect God. But through what he did for us, we're able to return to him. He seeks us out. He still wants relationship with us. You know, that we can't go too far away from the love of God. And Jesus goes in, in, in John 21, goes and hunts out the disciples who are all back on the boat, attempting to catch fish. But as we've established, they weren't maybe particularly gifted at this. So they're struggling to catch fish. And in John 21, uh, um, Peter says this. He says, I, I'm going out to fish. Uh, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize it was him. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, also known as John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he'd taken it off and jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, to, to, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And I love this light bulb moment. As soon as John says, it is the Lord, it's like, bang, all comes flooding back to Peter, and he can't wait to be reunited with Jesus. He, he jumps out of the boat. He doesn't help with the miraculous catch of fish. He trusts the others with that. He's like, you're all good. I'm going for Jesus, uh, and just runs. Uh, and then there's this amazing restoration moment that happens when Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? Uh, and he says, I do. And, and Jesus says to him, the thing that he said to him right back at the start, he says, follow me. And what I love reading about the story of Peter is he goes on and lives a life surrendered to God. Um, you know, he, he responds to Jesus. He says he's all in, not just with words, but with actions as well. Leads thousands to Christ performs miracles. You know, there's amazing moments when um, Peter's in court and he, he, says, he says statements like, as for me, I, I can't help but speak about the things I've seen and heard. You know, there's no, there's no denial of Jesus. He, he's boasting about the things. He's saying, I can't contain within me what the goodness of God has done. The things I have seen, an ordinary man, a fisherman, perhaps an average fisherman, an insignificant person surrenders his life to Jesus, says, I will follow you. And in this, in what we read in the Bible is this ordinary bloke goes on to live an incredible life that God uses to see uh, people's lives totally transformed, to see people, um, you know, receive Christ, to see people healed God uses Peter in incredible ways and still through the writing of his letters, God still uses him to speak and encourage us today. You know, we, I, I love reading it in 1 Peter chapter 1, the, the, um, which was maybe 30 years or so after Peter had last seen Jesus. 
This is what he says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatius, uh, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Bithynia, uh, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. I love that Peter, perhaps even looking back on his life, 30 years or so after uh, his time with Jesus, saying, encouraging to people going through all sorts of trials and stuff, he says to them, we've been called to obedience in Jesus Christ. Not to a life of irrational, reactionary moments, but obedience. You know what obedience is? That It says, regardless of how I feel, regardless of which way the wind blows, we have been called to follow Jesus and to continue on that journey. You know that that journey of being a Christian doesn't mean that life is always brilliant. Come on, who can agree to that? Who can testify that, that life sometimes sucks? But who can also testify that God is still good? That God is faithful? That, and, and that's what the journey of being a Christian is. It, it's about choosing to trust God. That even in the darkest moments of life, to know that he is still with you, that he cares for you. You know, for many years of my teenage life, I was reacting to God. I'd go to a conference and, um, you know, what these guys have shared today, that, that, that was part of my life, but, but I was never totally all in. I'd go to a conference and I'd feel encouraged and I'd feel inspired, but then I'd go reacting and be sent back to where I was. And I had this fire within me, this passion for God to do something, but I just came up against resistance from friends and, and trying to fit in and all the different things that being a teenager and to be honest, being an adult as well, the, the norms of life, as, as Scarlett was saying, just trying to be a, a normal person and, and you end up cowering away. You, you end up, I guess, being a bit like Peter and denying things because it's easier than having to explain what you believe and all of that. And I, I spent years of my life being like that. And do you know what? There was a transformational moment in my life, which was being baptized. I made a decision because I knew that if I was going to be baptized, it couldn't just be something for a season. It, it had to be, Jesus is my Lord. I want to follow him. It was calling me to a life of obedience. And I think when I was 20 years old, I, I got baptized in this pool. The water's not been changed. And... Um, <laughs> And that's probably 13, 13 years ago this April. Um, on Easter Sunday, I, I, I was baptized and, and decided that I was going to live a life of obedience. On that journey with God, life has had its ups and downs. I am still an idiot at times. <laughs> but God is still faithful. God is still good. And, and you know, some of you are perhaps thinking, like, why follow Jesus? And you know, I had this, this moment when I, when I was, before I got baptized, of just this revelation of what he'd done for me. That, that he had taken away my mess, my guilt, my shame, the things that I'd been carrying around, the, the, the picture in my head of who I thought I was, that, that he had taken 
all of this away, all the things that people had said about me or whatever, that, that he took that to the cross, that I no longer had to live with that lens of who I was. Just like with, with Peter, he has this moment, as we've already read in the Bible, that he was called Simon before he was called Peter. And, and Jesus restores him and gives him a new name and says to him, you are Peter. You see, the, the word Simon means like a reed being blown about uh, in the wind. It, it, it's like, imagine, uh, you know, in like boggy water, you get reeds come up and, and they're just controlled, reactionary, whichever way the wind goes, easily pulled out. And he says to him, no, you're, you're not that anymore. You're, you're Peter. You, and and the, the name Peter means a rock. You're dependable. You're someone who can be trusted. Now, Peter, as we learn, it took him a while to live into that. But that was the calling on his life, that he would be a dependable rock. And some of you are living life through the lens of a picture, a name that someone has put upon you. This is who you are. You're useless or you're unfaithful or you're untrustworthy or, um, you know, you're, you're a depressant, you're, you've got anger, all of these things. And, and they suddenly define who I am. And we begin to look at life through a lens that we were never meant to see. And today, I believe that God wants to give you a new picture to look life through. You see, he took all our mess when he died on the cross. And do you know when he rose again, um, as we celebrate on Easter Sunday, he has given us new life. That as much as that stuff is buried, we don't have to keep going back to it because we have been new. We've been made new. I love in the Bible, it says that we, we are new creations. Uh, and, and today, I believe that there, there are people in this room who need to make a decision to respond to God today. Perhaps your life with God has been in and out, upside down, Perhaps you've been in church before. Perhaps as a kid, you, you grew up going to Sunday school or, or whatever. But for whatever reason, that isn't where you are at today. But there's something inside of you that's saying, God's been so good to me. I need to make a decision to live a life of obedience to him. And for some of you who have perhaps never been in church ever before and you've walked through the door and you've heard the testimonies of people sharing their story of what God has done in their life and it has made you realize what you lack in your life, can I tell you that God is free, available and ready and is willing to want you today to come into relationship with him today. And I just want to give an opportunity just before we move on and we sing... Um, to, to give an opportunity if anyone wants to respond today to say, I want to follow God. So what we're going to do is we're just going to close our eyes. We're going to bow our heads. And um, I'm going to give an opportunity if there's anyone in this room who's saying, yeah, that's me. I need to respond today to God. Then what I'd love you to do is just to raise up your hand now just as I can see. If there's anyone in this room saying, that's me. Why don't you just stick up your hand now? Just so as I can see. That's great. Thanks, guys. Just one last time. If, if that's you, why don't you just stick your hand up just one more time, just so as I can see. Don't. Brilliant. You can put your hands down. With trust that someone's seen you and will come and chat to you after and um, 
pray with you. And, you know, this is the best decision that you can ever make in your life. And, and maybe you weren't brave enough to put your hand up, but you'd still love to talk to someone. Perhaps you've been brought to church by someone today. Why don't you ask them uh, if they can tell you more about Jesus? And um, for, for some of us here who are Christians, then my, my challenge for us is what, what in your life is taking you, your focus away from your response to a life of obedience? What is the distractions? What, what are the things that are in your life that you know are hindering your following of Christ wholeheartedly? And perhaps you need some prayer with some of those things. Perhaps some of those things need to be left behind in this room. Perhaps some of you need to be reminded of your own baptism story uh, and, the, the, and what that means of a dying to old and walking anew. And some of you perhaps have picked up things from your old life that, you, you, that died with you in here. And today is, is a, a great opportunity to be reminded of actually I made that decision and, and just to put those things back in the tank, to let them be drained out or pumped out um, with all the other slime. And, um, and just to... Just to make that decision again, because, you know, God has so much in store for all of us. And, and we waste life with reactionary moments. We, we waste life with things that don't even matter. Whereas actually there, there is so much for us to do as individuals, as a church. Uh, and, and, and today I, I just really get a sense that, that there has to be a, a fresh pursuit of wholehearted following of Christ. That I think it's easy for us to be Christians today with one foot in, one foot out, or, or to have easy Christianity where you just, you know, get reminded of the verse of the day, or you, you, you can put this on, put that out, but to actually make a decision that in every sphere of my life, God, I want to put you first. I want to honor you. Why? Because of everything you've done for me. Because you are worthy. You are faithful. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.